Well, hey, today we begin week four, the final week. It's actually been five weeks, but Ignatius calls it four weeks, a preparatory week and four weeks. And the weeks don't necessarily mean a week of time, but for us, they've been a week of time. So we end week four, or we're entering week four of of our stay-at-home Ignatian retreat that we said that we really felt the Lord saying, I want us to launch into 2021 on a solid foundation. Because 2020 was a, you know, kind of a dumpster fire for a lot of people in this world. And uh, um, we're saying, you know what, I think for a lot of us we fared pretty well. But you know what, we want to go into 2021 just making sure we're on, we're on a good footing with the Lord. So we've started this, this Ignatian, using this template that Ignatius created 500 years ago, um, to walk through so that we would deal with the things that would be dealt with in our life and look for what God's calling us to in the future. So we last week we walked through week three, where we dwelt in something that was uncomfortable. We dwelt in the suffering and the death of Jesus. That we on purpose took the time to spend time in the texts from the Gospels that dealt with the suffering and death of Jesus. And there we observed how Jesus suffered. We looked how did he suffer. And we recognized how that serves as an example for us. And we also invited the Holy Spirit to allow certain things to die in our lives. Those things that hold us back from being all in with Jesus. So last week, let's say this, last week was heavy stuff. You know, we're giving the Holy Spirit permission saying, we want to be all in and, and there's some things you want to, die, you want to die off in my life. So maybe some selfish things, some wrong thinkings. And Lord, we're inviting you to let those things die. And that, that's not easy. Now, today and this week, we leave that. That's the thing I like about the way Ignatius does it. He doesn't just have you dwell there. We leave week three and we begin week four. We go from the cross to the empty tomb. We turn our attention to the risen Savior, to Jesus being alive, and we look for the implications that that has to speak to how we really live our lives today. And I was thinking about something. I was thinking about a question. If I asked people, thinking of all of human history, what do you think the best news ever told at any one moment in history would be? I'm sure we get a lot of answers, but I can honestly say, and I think this is is correct, the best news ever said in one moment at any time in all of human history would be this, Jesus is alive. That would be the most significant event in the history of the world would be that Jesus, the person that they thought before, many thought, well, he's just a good teacher, he's just a prophet, he's just whatever, fill in the blank. And And the religious leaders and the Romans won, they crucified him, they killed him, they hung him on a cross, his his followers are defeated, he's defeated. Three days later, the stone was rolled away. We sang about it this morning. The stone was rolled away and we found out Jesus is alive. Because it says that, you know what, our God is not someone to just learn about in a history book, although we can learn from history, but he is alive. Jesus is alive right now. That Jesus is alive with us in this very moment by the Holy Spirit in this very place. And that, for Ignatius and for us, that's what we turn our attention to in week four. And Ignatius understood something, and rightly so, and he was right. 
about this. He understood that giving our attention to this idea that Jesus is alive, giving our attention to the idea of the fact that the resurrection happened three days later leads us naturally to something, to experience something. And what he says, we will naturally experience when we get this grip on the fact that Jesus really is alive is this. We will experience joy. That that's what he focuses on week four, that if we come to terms with the Jesus really being alive, what will happen in our life is we will walk in joy. And I want you to listen to what Ignatius has to say about this for week four and what he calls, and we're learning this now, the grace I seek. Remember every week he has this thing for the week that just, that's the, the goal or the focus for the week and he calls it the grace I seek. The grace we're going to seek from the Holy Spirit for, this, for today and this coming week. And this one is tied to joy. Listen to what he says. The grace I seek for week four. To experience true human gladness and joy and to rejoice intensely because of the great glory, the joy, and the hope the resurrected Christ gives me. He says, that's the goal for week one. To experience true human gladness and joy. To experience it. And to rejoice. To make the decision to rejoice intensely. Because of the great glory, the, the joy, and the hope of the resurrected Christ. That the resurrected Christ gives me. And then he added this. And to see clearly the changes that you yet plan for me in my own life as I venture forward from this time of retreating. Because remember, this is designed for a 30-day silent retreat. And we're doing a 30-day not-so-silent, but 30-day retreat. Make clear, O Lord, the picture of what my life ought to look like going forward. How I might see and take upon myself all the graces you intend for me. So as we can see, Ignatius really has two hopes for us today and this final week. That we would be filled with joy as we live into the truth of Jesus, you know, our Savior saying he really is alive, and that we would begin to see a picture of what our lives can be like as we, as we leave this time of focus for these 30 days and say, now what do you have for me as I walk in my life in the rest of the world? And it's his first desire that I want us to spend some time on today because I think that as we experience this today and this week, focusing on the resurrection of Christ, that he is alive, I really believe this, and I don't think I'm being too, too, too bold when I say this, that just that getting this honestly can revolutionize our lives, can literally change how we live. You know, we, if we really grasp that Jesus is alive and Jesus is present right now and right here, if we really believe that, as the scriptures say is true, and as our lives prove is true, our experience, I believe it will change your every single day of your life. And Ignatius says it'll change it one way for sure. It'll fill your heart with joy. And if there's anything the world needs right now, is joy. It's joy. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on. But man, the people of God can be filled with joy when we understand the reality that Jesus is alive. And like in all the weeks we've done so far, the, the preparatory week and the first three weeks of this and now week four, what we want to do today and for this week is we want to spend our time in Scripture, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring Scripture to life for us and allow Him to reveal through Scripture what can be in each and every one of our lives. So for today, I want us to spend some time in what I'm going to call post-resurrection sections of Scripture where Jesus, he, he already has been through his 
life of ministry. He's already been through his false trial and his suffering. He's already been through crucifixion. And now we find sections of scripture where he is alive. And we can see how those those post-resurrection scriptures can help each of us experience greater joy. And what I want to do today, and, and I hesitated to do this, I've done it a little bit the last couple of weeks, is we're going to walk through some scriptures and I'm going to show you how you could pull joy out of it. But here's my hesitation with that. That I'm doing the work for us, in essence. And what I want you to do today is not try for today and this week is not to duplicate this, but I want it to serve as a model for you. To show you how if you, as you engage in the scripture, how you can look for certain things and how the spirit can draw you to conclusions, particularly in this, and how as you spend time in scripture, you can see how it can be joy inspiring. So that this week, by the end of these seven days, that we should be walking on a cloud. We should be going, oh my goodness, I'm just spending time in all these scriptures that have to do post-resurrection Jesus. And I'm looking for how does joy flow out of this? And imagine seven days later what we'd be like. We won't be grumbling about the snow. We'll be celebrating the resurrected Lord, right? So I want to look at today as as a template for how you can do this. A template, I want to look at four um, post-resurrection tests and help us to discover how each one um, can help fill our hearts with joy. And I'm not saying this is the only way in these texts, but I want to show you through repetition how you you can live into the text very briefly in, in, briefly together, but I spent more time in them. And as you dwell in these, the Lord can go show you, here's how it could show you, could lead you to joy. So turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, the very, very end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And I want to help us show you a pattern on how as you dwell in this. And just a little sidebar. So every week as you pick up your your um, handout or you go online and you look at the handout that's designed for this week, you know that there's always repeat of the grace I seek, and then there's an explanation of a spiritual practice, and then there's some verses that are suggestions you could dwell in. The spiritual practice for this week is something that we've talked about in the past called Lexio Divina. And Lexio Divina is a way of, it's called divine reading is what it really means in Latin. And uh, what it simply means is spending a lot of time in a small portion of scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of make something kind of come out of it. So like stand out to you and then kind of hanging out with that for a while. And on your handout, there's an explanation of four movements of Lexio. Um, but kind of like this week when I was in, or last month, beginning of the month when I was in Haggai, and this one verse just kind of jumped out at me. Some people say it sparkled or it stood out. That verse just stood out. What, I'm, what we're looking to do this week in this times of sections, time of scripture, I would encourage you to spend longer periods and shorter sections and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through these sections. And so let's look at verse Matthew 28, just verses 18 to 20 together. It says, and Jesus came up, and this is the last words recorded in Matthew um, to his disciples, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, the, the disciples, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now remember, what are we looking for? We're saying in particular, now we can ask the Holy Spirit to show us anything. But Ignatius is saying as we wrestle wrestle with the reality of the fact that Jesus is alive, what should result is we should experience intense joy. So as I spend time in these verses, I say, how, how would I be led to experience joy in these texts. And for me, the very last sentence, it speaks volumes. Jesus says, and lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let that sink in for a moment. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As long as time continues, Jesus says that he's with us. As long as time continues, Jesus says, you and me, we are never alone. Think about this. What is the last time you felt really alone? You felt really alone. Sure, maybe people were all around you, but inside your spirit, inside your heart, you felt alone. You felt it like this. You felt like, you know what, really nobody cares. That's what alone is. Really, I'm surrounded by people, but nobody really cares. Nobody really gets what I'm going through. I'm really, I'm on my own. I've got to make it my own, myself in this dog-eat-dog world. I really feel all alone. Think about the last time you felt that way. I think we all feel that way sometimes. Here's Here's what we learn from this text. That's never really true. You may feel like it, but that is never really true. Jesus says, in his words, to us, to his followers, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Jesus is with us always. Say always with me this morning. Always. Always. Not sometimes. Jesus says, I will be with you always. And I'm not sure there could be an any more joy-inspiring truth than this. That the creator of everything, and that's who Jesus is, The one who keeps all the cosmos running, that's who Jesus is, is here with you and me in a real way right now in this morning. That's his departing promise to his people. Lo, I am with you always. In other words, saying, lo, I'm with you always. And you are never alone, no matter how alone you feel. I'm with you. Friends, that pierces the darkness of loneliness and can fill your heart with joy. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. Let's look at another post-resurrection scripture and see how it can lead us to joy. Because what we're going to do is, what, what, what Ignatius is encouraging us to do is, he's saying, listen, dwell in these sections of scripture. I'm just reading them briefly. But you know what? If you're struggling with joy and the darkness is kind of invading your world, live into the scripture. Live in it. Memorize it. Hold it. Write it in a card and pull it out of your pocket every time and let joy fill your heart because truth will replace the lies that the world tells us to believe. So let's look at another one. Turn to the, to the Gospel of John. Remember, these are all post-resurrection. So we're going to be in the, in the Gospels in all these. John, very end, John 21. In the next couple verses we're going to look at, the next couple examples, we're just going to keep right here, kind of in John 20 and John 21. In John 21, um, Peter and some of, his, some of the disciples have gone out fishing because Jesus, um, you know, they don't know what's going on. He was alive, now he's dead, now people say he's alive. And um, they did what the most intelligent people in the world would do. They went fishing, Right? No amens, not one person. They did what the most intelligent people in the world would do. They went fishing. That's right. And after fishing all night and getting skunked, they see this guy standing in the seashore, and he asks 
hey, did you catch anything? A little word of advice. If a guy fished all night long and he didn't catch anything, don't ask him what he caught, you know. Um, and they say, uh, we didn't catch a thing. So Jesus, they don't know it's Jesus at the time. He's standing on the seashore. And he tells them, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch, a huge, you'll catch some fish. And they throw their net, up, their net on the right side of the boat. They're not fishing with a line. They're fishing with a cast net. And this huge school of fish gets trapped in their net. What happens? Immediately, Peter knows what's going on. Because he's, he's experienced the exact same thing in the very beginning of the ministry that he has with Jesus. He had the exact same situation where Jesus said, hey, put it a little further, throw your net on the other side of the boat, and they catch this huge harvest of fish. Because he has seen this before, he knows it's Jesus. This text says he jumps in the water and swims to the shore, and when he gets there, he finds Jesus there with a fire going, cooking some fish and some bread, and it says Jesus feeds them breakfast, Right? Then after breakfast, Jesus begins to ask Peter some questions. And that's where I want us to pick up today. Chapter 21, starting at verse 15. Let's just read a couple of verses, 15 through 17. So when they had finished, meaning they had finished eating, they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So what is joy inspiring about this post-resurrection story? It's the realization of how much Jesus cares for his followers. How much Jesus loves and cares for you and me. Look at this. Peter and the others are working all night long and they were tired and they were hungry. It says they had no fish. They had no fish. They probably had nothing to eat either. And what they encounter is Jesus builds a fire and makes them breakfast. Now, often, people in the church world generally mistakenly believe that Jesus is only concerned with, I think, our spiritual matters. Now, just that thinking, spiritual matters and non-spiritual matters, shows we misunderstand because everything is spiritual. Everything is divine in our walk with God. There's no spiritual and unspiritual, but we think he's only really concerned about spiritual matters. But clearly, this this story shows that that's not true. He cares that his followers were hungry. He cares that they worked all night and didn't get anything. So he cooks them a meal. He cooks them fish and bread and feeds them breakfast. And he did something else. He saw that they caught more than they needed. He already had fish and they brought some more there. But they had an entire catch. He saw that they caught more fish. Why? So that they had more to eat later. And they had some to sell in the market because they were professional fishermen. That was their job. He helped them in their occupation to sell more. He cared about their very real practical needs. It's the first thing we see. He cares about our very real and practical needs. That ought to fill us with joy, but there's more. We read about how Jesus then goes after feeding breakfast. He asks Peter three times if he loved him. Remember who he's asking this to. He's asking Peter 
who just a short time earlier had denied that he even knew Jesus three separate times as Jesus was being tried. Three times, I don't know that man. One time he said, said he started cursing, saying, I don't know that man. So what's Jesus up to? He was bringing healing to Peter's wounded soul. Three times Peter had rejected him, and three times he allows Peter to reaffirm his love. What's he doing? He's healing Peter's soul. He's restoring their fractured relationship. He's removing the shame and guilt that Peter must have felt because he knew he had rejected Jesus, and everybody else knew it too. Again, Jesus is so incredibly practical. Jesus is meeting the very real needs of his followers. And what's it say? It says, Jesus really does care for us. Now, friends, knowing that Jesus really cares for us brings joy to our hearts. We can smile and we can rest in that truth. Because here's what I know about your life and I know about my life. We all blow it sometimes. And sometimes we blow it big. We all do. And what's this say to me? What's it say to you? Jesus cares about us deeply. And when we blow it, it doesn't change that. And he always gives us a second chance. He always gives us another chance. That will fill your heart with joy. Because what robs joy from our heart? We feel hopeless. But we understand it's never hopeless with Jesus. Hopelessness is replaced by the joy of the Lord. So you see how you spend time in the text and you go, oh, here is why Ignatius was saying this should bring joy to my heart. Let's look at another example in John 21. Just following the time that Jesus asked Peter those three questions, we find something else significant and joy-inspiring. And this one is incredibly important for where we're at as a nation right now. Look at verses 19 to 22. Now this he said, he's talking, he's talking about Peter, about how he's going to die signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, following them, and the one whom also leaned back on the bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. This world right now is full of distractions. It's full of confusion. I don't know if I've ever navigated a season of time where I've seen more people who have walked with the Lord very faithfully and very solid people talk to me personally and privately and say, I'm just really confused. I just don't know what to believe anymore. This is certainly a time our country, a time of confusion that our country is in right now. And I'll be honest, often it's hard to know what to believe. It's hard to know what what bandwagon to get onto or what bandwagon not to get onto. It's hard to, to know who to believe. It's hard to know which way to go. Isn't that true? It is. Well, friends, what we find here is Jesus has the way. And I'd say it a little differently. Jesus is the way. And what's he say to you and to me? He says, as for you, follow me. 
There are a lot of times when all that I know to do is to simply say I'm going to follow Jesus. To look to him and listen for his guidance, which honestly, friends, mostly comes from engaging in his word. That's why you're encouraged in every one of these weeks to spend a lot of time in the word of God. And we find this kind of stuff in times of confusion. Jesus says these kinds of things. I just pulled out a few things that Jesus would say to people in times of confusion. He'd say in times of confusion, you know what? Treat others the same way you would want, they'd, you'd want them to treat you. In times of confusion, Jesus says stuff like this. Love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus says things like this in times of confusion. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. In times of confusion, Jesus says stuff like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. In times of confusion, Jesus says this. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus says in confusion, the storms are raging. You don't know what to do. You know, you're, you're, you're sinking. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus is the way. Jesus shows us the way. He says, love others and trust in him. Following Jesus cuts through a lot of the clutter and the distractions and the confusion that we face every single day. We keep our eyes on the one who is the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. The one who is never confused. He's never nervous. He's always at peace. And when I keep my eyes on him and I follow him, that brings joy. It offers joy to us in difficult situations. And I would say this. Some of you who are listening and some of you who are in here need this joy, this kind of joy right now more than you've ever needed in your life before. Jesus says this in a time of confusion. Follow me. Listen to my voice. Live like I live because that's the best way to live. That sparks joy when everybody around you is filled with confusion. You get that? how dwelling in a scripture text can show you, we're seeing how I can dwell in this and go, oh wow, this is how I can find joy in this time. Let's look at one more post-resurrection interaction that Jesus had. In John chapter 20, Jesus is with his disciples just after he rose from the dead. And look at what he says. Look at verses 21 and 22. So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? I'm in the wrong text. John chapter 20, let's go back a page, 21 and 22. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus had been falsely um, convicted and crucified, he had said something amazing to his followers. He'd said this, he said, it is better that I go away because then another comforter, another comforter, a second comforter will come and he won't just be with you, but he will be in you. 
scriptures tell us that Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. And here in John 20, Jesus begins the fulfillment of his promise to send the Holy Spirit to the church, to Christian people. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And this hot promise came to greater fulfillment on the day of Pentecost when 120 followers of Jesus were gathered in prayer in Jerusalem just after Jesus ascended into heaven post-resurrection and Jesus said this to them. It's recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. The promise that Jesus will pour out his Holy Spirit upon his followers, listen, follows him being resurrected from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, he then sent the Holy Spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower his followers. We can be spirit-filled because Jesus is alive. Friends, this is joy-inspiring. You need to understand something, especially as Americans who have this idea, I did it on my own. You need to understand, you are not left on your own. You were never meant to live out your Christian life by your own power. We are meant to live lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I don't think there has ever been a time in my personal life when relying on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit has been more essential. I don't think there's ever been a time in my 40 years of serving the Lord that relying on the power of the Holy Spirit has been this essential because you know what? You can't fake it in this environment anymore. God, by His Spirit, empowers us. We can rely on God and His strength and not our own because Jesus is Alive, We can invite the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us every single day. His presence is the source of joy and strength in our lives. So Jesus says, listen, it's better off that you get the Holy Spirit. And he even says this to those, that early part of the church. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying, because he's alive, he's saying, listen, I'm offering for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We get to say this week, Lord, fill me. Fill me fresh. Fill me anew. Fill me for the first time. Fill me with your spirit, Lord Jesus. And I promise you when we're full of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's love and joy and peace, but it's joy when the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us. And that is a promise to us because Jesus is alive. Friends, can we see why Ignatius ties joy to our time of reflecting on Jesus' resurrection. Just look at these four. He says we have joy because Jesus is with us. We have joy because he, Jesus cares for us. We have joy because Jesus leads us. We have joy because Jesus empowers us by the Holy Spirit. This week, spend time in the resurrection texts of the gospel and the handle that you have available to you will give you some suggested resurrection tests. But all you got to do is look in your Bible at anything post-Jesus rising from the dead and spend time in there and ask the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with the joy that flows from living in the reality that Jesus is alive and he's present with you and me right here, right now, in this moment. 
joy flows from living in the reality that Jesus is alive and present in the moment. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. If you're at home, pray with us this morning. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we could follow this template for these last five weeks. And that we have this week to go yet. That Lord, help us not to leave before we're done. Help us not to, to give up um, on just saying, hey, this has been good. Help us not to miss out on this gift in this coming week of spending time in your word, in your presence, and allowing you to fill our hearts with joy as we um, spend time being amazed that you are alive. And Lord, you're alive and you're here and you're in this moment. And Lord, sometimes our eyes just can't see it. Our hearts just can't believe it. But we ask today and this week, would you reveal yourself to us in just dynamic ways, deep in our soul, that we would just have this encounter with you by the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. You breathed upon your church and you said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you're still doing it. You're saying, receive the Holy Spirit. So Lord, fill us with your reality and your presence and your power. Today, this week, and Lord, I pray in addition to all the other things that could happen and will happen as a result of our, of our just surrendering to you, and experiencing you, God, I pray this for every person that can hear my voice today. That, Lord, you would replace sorrow and fear and confusion with joy. Fill us with joy in this moment. Not just temporary happiness, Lord but consistent joy based on your eternal goodness, your care for us, and your presence with us in the moment. Now I pray, God, hold every single person within the sound of my voice in your hands today. Let us experience your joy like never before. In the name of Jesus. God bless you, friends, for being with us today. God bless you, all of you who joined us online this morning. It's good to be together and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. If you're here and you're here for the kids' ministry meeting, the miracle meeting, we'll be in room 11 just through the connector and, and the, built, the, the big room on the right. Uh, we'll be there in just a few minutes. We'll go there. We'll try to make it as brief as possible. We're going to have a meeting, and we're going to celebrate God's amazingness, sparking our enthusiasm for loving on kids for Jesus. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful, snowy day in Jesus. Amen. Be blessed.